Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Cool J with a triumphant comeback. Welcome back. Welcome back. Deep Cover Podcast back at you. Took a little hiatus as we have a tendency to do, but we always come back and we always come back with good content, quality content. I'm joined as always by Chris and Carrie. We're going to jump into all things Ravens, talk about the Chargers game, talk about some of the other stuff going on around the team, injury signings, blah, blah, blah. Look a little bit forward to the Bengals coming up, first division game of the season coming up here in week seven. But let's check in with the guys, and it's been a minute. Kerry, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Glad to be back with you guys. You know, I love when whenever we link up, even if it's not recording, just a conversation with you guys, you know, always lifts me up. So glad to be back with you guys. Glad to be talking Ravens. So, but, you know, let's get into it. And we're glad to be talking to you, man. It's good that uh, everybody's feeling well, able to 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 have these conversations. And like you say, it's a brotherhood, man. It's bigger than football. We know that. Um, just got to see Chris. Speaking of brotherhood, got to see him live in the flesh at the Chargers game. <laughs> I just saw you a couple of days ago. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, again, thank you, Mike, for putting that whole th- trip together. That's by far the best live football experience i've ever had in my life so uh, i appreciate you uh, you know putting that together and you know the next time gary definitely got to be there definitely yeah absolutely on i had the, on the men, back on the men so you know wasn't able to link up with my guys but it looked like a great time atmosphere looked great and you know i'm looking forward to the next time that's for sure. I man. I can't take credit for nothing. Uh, guys had to adjust their family lives, their work lives, their travel just to get here. I had the easy part. Uh, and it really couldn't have been any better. Like Chris was saying, I mean, the game went as well as you could want. The weather was beautiful, you know, good crowd. Almost had a free T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we were so close, man. Hey, we we want our shirts. If anybody from the Ravens is listening to this, we want our shirts. That's false advertisement. Section <laughs> five two three was supposed to get free shirts. Hey, I I, t- I showed you. I showed y'all my email earlier from uh, Colleen with the Ravens, and Colleen said, "Hey, look, apologize for the misunderstanding. Wasn't really supposed to go down like that. Can't give you the T-shirts, but we can give you a hat." <laughs> so I was like, hey, "I'm gonna take anything that's coming out there." Man, you should have seen it, Carrie. We're in there everybody's you know enjoying themselves you got the video board and it's like uh it's like a slot machine right with the numbers turning so yeah you see okay okay, this section is gonna win free t-shirt right and then you see the numbers turning and you see five we're at 523 you see five and like okay okay you see two you're like oh uh oh and is it three everybody's like ah (laughs) (laughs) old section goes crazy you know i don't know how many people are in a section is it 100 200 i mean it's a lot of people in a section. I don't know, but uh, the whole section was going crazy, thinking that we had all won T-shirts, and then there's a little bit of a mix-up uh, <laughs> down to guess. So, 
Colleen reached out, you know, and get my hat. It's all good. Anyway, uh, let's talk about that game, though, because that game, man, dominant performance, really, uh, for the Ravens. I was looking back at it because, you know, when you're there, it's different. I remember, you know, I'm sitting there with Chris and some of the other guys, and we're talking about different things that are happening. And it's just different when you're there in person versus when you have the luxury of of having film and you could rewind a slow-mo and all that. And, you know, somebody was asking me, like, oh, did you see that? What happened? I was like, nah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's just faster, you know, and you, your eyes are, like, going everywhere trying to watch everything. But so I went back and I looked. Uh, obviously, we know the score, 34 to 6. But the Chargers, man, that was, like, their lowest output of the season. Like, total yard, like, points, obviously. Total yards, uh, what they have? Ooh, that's not good. Uh, I think passing yards was like 182, something like that. And rushing yards were like 26, something like yeah. that. I mean, they, yeah. they, it, it, it literally was like a complete, uh, hold on. I don't think I got that right. Hold on. Let me double check. I want to make sure I get this right now. Cause I don't want to just be saying some BS out here. Mm -hmm. I actually looked up, yeah. 182. Yeah. 182 passing yards, uh, 26 rushing yards and six points. For, you know, an offense and a team coming into that game, four and one. Um, I forget what they were they were scoring before that game. Um, I mean, they they dropped a ton of points on the the Browns the week before. Oh yeah, was forty seven? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, forty seven. So yeah, you look at their game. They were 20, 17, 30, 28, 47, and then six. So. Uh, you know, it was a dominant performance all around by the Ravens, but I'll, I'll just give each of you guys, you know, clean slate, open run, as we like to say here on, on you know, what you want to talk about with that game. I'll start with you, Chris. What did you think, man? Whether it's offense, defense, special teams, what did you think about the game? Man, I went into it, you know, thinking it was going to be a shootout, especially with the way the defense performed uh, on Monday night against the Colts. I was bracing myself for a, 30-something, 40-something game and, you know, just uh, really, really a high-scoring game. But the defense, man, they they came. You know, they they lived up to that Ravens defense billing that, that day, and they really locked everything up. The Chargers couldn't do anything they wanted to do. They could, Justin Herbert never got into a rhythm. And the, the offense, you, you called it, Mike, when this game was coming. You said this looks like a get-right game for the run game. And damn it, they they got right because they they got all three backs involved, all three of them put up numbers, and it it was just it was a fun game to see, and and I was just glad that that we were there to witness it and and just kind of be in cruise control, unlike the other the other games earlier in this season, other than the the Broncos game because they've been putting on some cardiac performances that to have shaved some years off of my life. So uh, I'm glad we got to kick our feet up and, and not have to sweat this one out. Yeah, you know when you see Snoop come into the game, Tyler Huntley comes into the game, you know yeah. it's one of those games where the Ravens uh, were in sure. cruise control at that point in the game. Speaking of the rushing game, before I go to you, Kerry, uh, 187 rushing yards. Uh, Lamar had 51. Devontae Freeman, 53. Tavius Murray, 44, Lev Bell, only 18. But the most important part to me, all three backs got a touchdown. So, um, you know, when you, you've you got 
this three running back rotation going on and all three of your running backs score, uh, that's a good thing. You know, things are, are probably going pretty well in the run game. Uh, so, Kerry, let me kick it over to you. What did you think? What are your overall impressions of the game? Yeah, a couple of things. First thing was the defense. Uh, I can't tell you how many times through different like football podcasts and different things I've heard people say this Ravens defense isn't the same defense. You know, the, the fantasy prognosticators talk about it when they're talking about matchups and, you know, you listen to other football podcasts, they talk about it. And I thought it was a proudful performance, uh, especially by Wink. And it shows you that um, when you have a guy like Wink at the controls going up against still a very young quarterback, you know, as good as Justin Herbert is, he's still a very young quarterback. You saw him rattle. You saw him uncomfortable. You saw him miss throws that he should have really hit. You know, there was opportunities in that game for him, to, for him to make some plays that he didn't make, and it was because they made him very uncomfortable from the onset of that game. So I thought that was um, that was huge. You know, this defense is taking a beating, um, you know, as far as injuries, as far as some of the performances they've had, but they stepped up big time. Uh, you know, in this game. And then on the um, offensive side, like Chris pointed out, and as you pointed out before, Mike, this was a good get well spot for the run game because of how the Chargers um, play things. And honestly, if you look at it, the Chargers were right to kind of go about it in the approach that they did. You have a banged up offensive line the Ravens lost their number one, number two, and number three running backs before the season started. And you have an MVP quarterback throwing the ball. You should invite them to run, run the ball. You know, that, that probably increases your chances of holding them in check. But, you know, this this game and this team was just so efficient with it. And Lamar, I mean, he played – that was the best – whatever hundred whatever yards and two pick performance I've ever seen from a quarterback because he was in complete command throughout. So like hats off on both sides of the ball. I, I thought, you know, they had a really, really impressive performance, but those two things really stuck out to me uh, as far as the game. Got to unmute myself. There we go. Getting back to it. Um, yeah, I, I I'll chime in uh, just on the defense side of the defensive side of things. Um, look, we know Mike Williams was banged up coming into this game, didn't practice um, all week, and so you know I want to take that into account. But um, just the 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 heater that he had been on uh, <laughs> for most of this yeah. season, his his stat lines going back to their first game, right? These are catches, yards, and touchdowns, eight eighty two and one. 791 and one, seven 122 and two. A little bit of a, a stinker against the Raiders in there. Uh, I think he had like a, a one for 11. Uh, then right got right against the Browns, eight 165 and two, and then two for 27 and zero uh, against the Ravens. And Keenan Allen um, didn't fare much better. I think he had five, five catches on 50 yards. Uh, Jared Cook, the lone touchdown for them. And uh, Austin Eckler, man, six carries for seven yards, four catches for 48 yards. And so 
you know, they took this offense who had been thriving on the big play and, um, you know, particularly at their wide receiver position, guys putting up big time yardage games and touchdown games. And um, again, when I want to mention Mike Williams was dinged up, so I understand he wasn't at full strength, but uh, they shut those guys down. I mean, there's basically no other way to describe it. They were shut down. Uh, they kind of had, uh, and Chris mentioned it, they kind of had Herbert uncomfortable all day. He just never really seemed to be able to get comfortable. And even when he had time to get throws off, he wasn't consistently accurate you know, with his ball placement. And I think that just was, was all tied into just that uncomfortableness that he was feeling. And he said after the game that they, they did some things uh, that they hadn't shown. The Ravens defense had done some things that they hadn't shown on, on film. And so, you know, that, that all factored into him just not being able to get comfortable and get into a rhythm. And the Ravens, you know, just kept their foot on the pedal, man, throughout yeah. that whole game. It, it, it kind of reminded me of a, 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 like a fight, a UFC fight, because the Chargers are like, uh, you know, karate kicks and all of this stuff and real flashy stuff. And the Ravens were just like a wrestler where they don't give you any room. They don't let you get off any of those flashy yeah. kicks and all of that stuff. And that's what it seemed like it was. The Ravens just smothered them. And and the, the Chargers were never able to get off those flashy kicks and those, you know, crazy punches that they like to throw. So it was it was interesting to see the Ravens impose their will that way. Well, they say styles make fights. Mm-hmm. You just you just gave a really good analogy right there where, you know, you basically had the grinder <laughs> versus somebody trying to throw a bunch of kicks and, you know, doing like uh, crane kicks. And <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, no, they they were they had been a, a kind of a, a, a big play, you know, shot play type of offense, particularly in the passing game, you know, just you know, deep shots yeah. downfield, guys making long touchdown catches. And they just weren't able to get to any of those in this game. Or or if they got one, you know, they weren't able to complete them. Um, so it was good to see that, right? Because I, I'm with Kerry. I, I would not have I would not go so far as to say that this Ravens defense was bad or anything like that. Those people, you know, kind of going in that direction. I think that was a little bit too far. But you know, they they hadn't put together this performance to date. And this was, you know, kind of reminiscent of what we've seen historically really i mean you you know we all know the ravens are known for defense but even if you just go back over the last couple of years since wink has been the uh the defensive coordinator you know we've seen these kind of performances and so this was uh this was a gem uh this should definitely give them some confidence moving forward and it was interesting to see some of the little tweaks and changes that they made josh Bynes, you know getting a little more run in this game at inside linebacker um you know patrick queen was injured during the game, had a thigh injury. So some of it was probably related to that. Um, but Bynes was up. He was active. So he was going to play. Um, and and I think just that kind of subtle shift of having him maybe take some more of the Mike linebacker snaps and allowing Queen and Harrison to kind of play Will a little bit and allowing them not to have to worry about getting people lined up and getting the front calls and checks in place. I mean, I think people know Chuck Clark green dot right he's he's signaling in the defensive plays but that front seven you know it's typically going to be a linebacker having to kind of get those guys lined up and in any adjustments that they have to make um you know based on what they see up there so i think that's a lot to have on your plate as a young linebacker right you have all of that responsibility 
And then you have your own individual responsibility trying to make sure that you're reading your keys and focusing in on the things that you need to do. And then the ball is snapped, right? And you gotta you gotta react. So that's a lot. And so I think it was um smart, I think, on on the coaching staff's part to say, hey, let's just take a little bit off of these guys' plates, right? And allow them to play a little more freely and just run and just play ball and not have to carry so much on their plates. And uh, I think it made a difference, you know, uh, in this game. Is it something they're going to do going forward? I don't know. I try not to think about stuff like that because who knows? You know, the NFL is so week to week. So for this game, I think it was a good approach, and I think we saw it pay dividends. We'll see what happens next week against Cincinnati. You know, division games, everything kind of goes out the window with division games, <laughs> records, how you've been playing. Like even this game, you know, we, we, we're, we all are – talking about how good this game was and how you know dominant the Ravens look but you almost have to to forget about that going into this Bengals game it's like blank slate you know it's a division game and you just don't know what you're going to get um, when when these AFC North opponents get together um anything else you guys want to talk about with this game I'm kind of tiptoeing around getting to that Bengals game but before I do that I know we wanted to talk about some other stuff around the team but uh, anything else on this game you guys want to hit on? Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about Josh Bynes because, like you said, he just brought this whole unit together, it seemed like, and they just seemed to be playing as one cohesive unit. And it wasn't just Josh Bynes. It was Deshaun Elliott, too, his presence, because with him back there, they were able to move around Steven so much, and they were able to move Jimmy around a little bit. So, you know, Wink loves to – interchange uh, all of his dbs he has some guys blitzing some guys uh staying back you never know who's going to be where and uh, i think elliot gives him more of that freedom to do those exotic looks and kind of mix and match certain pieces in different places so uh i those two guys were a major major addition for that for that defense and you saw the calming effect that that he had and it was almost like 2019 again where with josh Bynes was part of that crew with him and LJ Fort that brought calmness to that defense in that 2019 season. And it's like deja vu all over again. And and he looked great yesterday. It wasn't just, you know, he was calling out plays and getting everybody lined up. There were a few plays there where he was getting into passing lanes and he was just dropping, dropping back, getting the, the right amount of depth that he needed in order to close some of those windows for Josh Herbert and make, make things tighter. So uh, he just, he had overall just a great game. You definitely see his experience show up when he's out there. I mean, he he knows what he's looking at. Um, he knows, you know, how to how to focus in on his keys. Right. He can look at formation tendencies. He can look at um, kind of that that immediate post snap reaction if he's reading a blocker or if he's reading a tight ends release or running backs release, and he reacts so quickly. You know, even though. He, you know, was not as athletic as as Queen or Harrison, and he's got a few more years on him than those guys. He plays, st- he's, he still plays at a really high play speed because he recognizes things and diagnoses things so quickly, and he knows, you know, what's what's happening around him and what the play is and what the concept is. So, yeah, you saw a couple times he's sitting back there in zone and he's getting his hands on balls and stuff like that. And that's just, you know, experience and and you know, um, recognition. So. That's never going to hurt. I think any time that you can have that out on the field, that's always going to help your defense because the things that those guys can communicate uh, helps everybody else. And to your point, Chris, they make their play. They make their plays too, 
right? Uh, they're, they're able to get in position and, and, and get their hands on some balls and make some plays. And, you know, I was trying not to bring up the Deshaun Elliott thing. I'm a little biased, so I didn't want to, <laughs> to, to bring it up. <laughs> but, you know, I was just, I was just waiting. Just, just kind of calmly, quietly waiting at <laughs> this moment, you know, when he steps out and people were like, oh, Deshaun Elliott, he's balling. Yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was good to see him, that interception he had covering Jared Cook. That was a thing of beauty. Um, you know, and then just he has an energy. There's an energy about him when yeah. he's out there that he brings to the defense, whether it's the pass or versus the run. Uh, and I love to see it. And then, like you said, you you can now do some other things with those other guys, Jimmy, Tavon, Brandon Stevens. You can move those dudes all around. That chess piece uh, kind of flexibility. And, you know, Owe, obviously, they're still doing all kinds of stuff with him. They've got him playing over the center, off the ball. He's spying Justin Herbert. Yeah. You know, that dude, he's, just, he's just a freak. So uh, <laughs> it's got to be – it's got to be – fun for Wink to have, you know, all of this flexibility and be able to kind of mix and match and get creative with with his pressures and his coverages and his fronts. So I'm sure he's enjoying that part of it. And it went well on Sunday. So uh, he had to be a happy guy. What about you, Kerry? Anything else from this game you wanted to touch on? Um, no, I think we pretty much hit everything on this game specifically. Okay. So before we go to the Bengals, I know I kept bringing them up, but we did want to touch on a couple of things happening, you know, around the team with some of the players. Um, Ronnie Stanley, right? There's news this week that they're going to go ahead and put – they did go ahead and put Ronnie on season-ending IR. Uh, I think he's already had the surgery on his ankle, and now, you know, he's going to start recovery and rehab. Um, he put out uh, a statement through the team, but also on Twitter, you know, he did like a little, you know, three, three, four tweet thread kind of explaining – where he is mentally and, you know, how disappointed he is that he's not out there with his brothers, with his teammates, and how much he's looking forward to, you know, getting back out there in 2022. And I'll start with you on Chris. Uh, i start with you on this, Chris. I know we had some some discussions about this, all three of us, and I know uh, some of the stuff that you were seeing from, from some fans questioning Ronnie's toughness or even his love of the game, um, you know, really bothered you. Yeah, it's, um, it's a silly thing for people to – to kind of insinuate, not even insinuate, but to flat out just say that this guy doesn't love football, he doesn't love his job. I mean, that's that's just stupid to say. Um, football players, they're people just like everybody else. They can have other interests outside of football, outside of their job, and it doesn't mean that they don't love their job. It doesn't mean that they aren't dedicated. It doesn't mean that they aren't putting their all into it. So to talk about it to talk about ronnie stanley like that a man who you don't know who you've never met you've never had a conversation with and to go ahead and just flat out say he doesn't love football or to sit on your couch and sit on your ass and say he's not tough he's soft he's always injured is the nfl people are always injured in the nfl and when you look at ronnie He's, he has not played 16 games every year, but there isn't a long list of guys that play 16 games every year. He's missed two games, three games. Obviously, with this devastating injury, he's missed a lot more time than that. But for the majority of his career, he's been there for the Ravens, and he's performed very well. So for people to come out and say these things about him, 
it's it's just it's so dumb it's so dumb and, and to insinuate that i've seen people say he wants he got paid and now he could just milk this injury it's like he's going for surgery for the third time and he has to go through a whole nother rehab process and for people who don't know it's not just you move your foot around a few times it is rigorous work and it's painful it is it sucks i can put my life on it that he would much rather be practicing than having to go to rehab so let's just take a step back when we start throwing these accusations out about people we don't know people you know we just watch them play a sport and we get short little glimpses of them in interviews let's just not throw those kind of accusations out like that because you end up one looking dumb yourself and two it's, it's just not good to for your whole like the team that you root for because i'm pretty sure ronnie's in his hospital bed and he probably sees some of that stuff that people are saying and it has an effect on him he's a human you know he, he's not a robot so just don't try not to be that way and just send well wishes and just pray that he he can do you know come back from this injury better and and hopefully resume his career at the high level that it was at well said very well said carrie um anything you wanted to to add or give your perspective on um this injury with ronnie and, and kind of that situation yeah i think chris summed it up pretty perfectly man you know these guys put in an, an immense amount of work just to be able to play a football game not a season one football game the amount of work and things that they have to do to get themselves ready to um you know to play and it, it's just it's mind-boggling to me that people would see that level of work and see someone putting that amount of effort into something and then question their love or question their heart or anything like that you know the, the two things don't they just don't make sense together it, it, it's just it's crazy to me like if i have ankle surgery today guess who's not getting on the football field matter of fact if I have ankle surgery, I'm not walking in, until 2022, let alone playing. The <laughs> so, <laughs> so the fact that, you know, these guys can go through this stuff and they're just like, okay, well, grind continues. They go, they have their surgery, they rehab, they come back. And a lot of times these guys play at just a high level as they did prior to the injury is a credit to the amount of work that these guys put in, you know, and, uh, and uh, Mike, we all had this conversation. There has to be some kind of level of love for you to do that. Yeah, I know there's pressure. You know, obviously there's money involved. You know, you have families you got to support and all those different things. But, you know, uh, certain guys, man, once they get to a certain, you know, level, um, you know, they've accrued a certain amount of money. Um, you know, these guys don't have to do this. You know, some of these guys can walk, walk away, um, you know, once they've um, gotten that first deal, gotten their signing bonus, you know, kind of square some things away. If they made good decisions with their money, you know, these guys can walk away. 
but they continue to do that and they're you know they're they're trading on their bodies because they love the game because they love they love their team they love to compete so you know for anybody to question that is just insane to me and then you know taking it from the human element to just the the element of it from the raven standpoint uh it's just going to be interesting to see what they do at tackle going forward uh because um, you know, you got uh, Villanueva, who's uh, under contract through next season. Uh, Patrick McCarry is a restricted free agent. I would expect him to be back. Uh, you got uh, Jawan James. He's under contract through next season as well. But you go into the offseason, and now all of a sudden you got Ronnie Stanley coming off of an injury, and then you got three guys at tackle going into their walk year. So it's not an if – the Ravens are going to draft a tackle is when the Ravens are going to draft a tackle. So, but it'll just be interesting on how much, how high they prioritize that and, and just how high they take a tackle. So that's something I'm, I'm very interested to see how they, um, how they view the tackle group. And you see, this is why deep cover is always in sync because I was just thinking about this yesterday, um, just about how, how interesting the, the tackle spot is going to be going into this off season. And, like we've always been saying on our draft shows, teams can't lie to you during the draft and free agency. Yeah. So if the Ravens take a tackle high, we already know what they think about the whole situation with Ronnie and his recovery or what they think about Jawan James. So I, I really do. I, I really wish I could fast forward because I'm it's something that I just really want to see and 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 know because there's so much uncertainty in the air where they have these four guys who, you know, obviously can be serviceable to above average. And then with Ronnie, in Ronnie's case, we already know he's one of the top tackles in the league. So it, it'll it'll be great to see it. I'm, I'm glad they'll have enough time to evaluate, hopefully, uh, when Ronnie's uh, finished with his, well, hopefully finished with his recovery and they can make a, a decision come to, come draft season. Yeah, we know they got a ton of picks. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they are loaded for Bear. Was it like 14? 13, 14? Something, like, something crazy like that. I, I know the Casa goes to sleep. He probably goes to sleep with the, with the, uh, the picks printed out, and he just holds it at night. <laughs> every every draft pick counts. EDC, yes, sir. Every, every draft pick counts. And he's got a bunch of them to work with. And uh, it will be interesting and and to see what they do moving forward. But uh, I think you both hit on this and I know Chris, you you've said it uh, repeatedly really that whatever they do with in, in the draft, it's not like the cupboard is bare right now. Right. You talked about Jawan James, you talked about Alejandro Villanueva, you talked about uh, Patrick McCarry, who you like Cole Jackson, you guys both have kind of always been on that point of his best position being tackle. Right. And you know, yeah, and and for, and on that, on that, I just want to throw something out there to you guys. What do you guys think of them making of them possibly extending him and making him the full time yeah. tackle? Because just, I mean, this it's a short sample size, but I mean, he's looked he's looked really good so far. So if you could lock in a guy like that who's still young, and seemingly ascending because 
this is his first year playing tackle in the NFL, and he's going up against Von Miller. He's going up against Joey Bosa, and he's not out there looking like a fool. Uh, he'll get beat here and there, but he's you know he's giving it to them. So I, I would not be against them making uh, the team making him the the right tackle of the future. Yeah, I no, absolutely I agree. Go Definitely. Ahead, I'm, uh, and when you look at the way he plays and what the Ravens ask their linemen to do, you know, from a movement standpoint, he just fits. He fits like a glove. I mean, he he's just a perfect fit for what they want to do. And like you say, he's young. He showed himself well. I mean, just look at the start, the Kansas City game to start with, you know, going up against the 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 quality lineman that he was going up against Chris and holding Jones. on to that game and to just keep it going. And, and I think and and honestly, I think he'd probably be a bargain, you know, when it comes down to negotiations. Um, you know, because you know, nobody nobody, even this this Ravens team didn't think he was a tackle until they they had to make him a tackle. So, you know. Obviously, people are going to watch the tape and, and kind of look at things, but the advantage they have is that he's a restricted free agent, so they can slap that tender on him and, and keep other teams at bay. And then it's just about a negotiation between the team and his, and his agent instead of negotiating with you know the rest of the league. So that would be definitely something I would be looking into uh, pretty heavily if I'm, if I'm DaCosta. Yeah, and I'll, I'll... – make it three in a row on that i agree with both of you guys i think he's played um very well at right tackle um based on probably what my expectation was not that i didn't expect him to play well but i'm just thinking you know this is a tough ask you know of anybody yeah he played tackle in college um but they basically converted him to center in the nfl and he played center um, for a number of games. When you go back to 2019 when Skura got hurt, I mean, he basically had to come in second half of that season and play center. And so, and, and then, you know, it was kind of the the um, backup center uh, back into 2020 and then had to, to play some more center then and then had to play some tackle at different points. So if nothing else, I I agree with you guys. I think he's shown that he can play right tackle and can be the right tackle moving forward. But if nothing else, that versatility, I mean, you guys obviously were Ravens fans, so you'll remember this name, James Hurst, right? Kind of that flexible backup reserve offensive yeah. lineman. But Patrick Bacar is, is like another level, right? I, I It would be disrespectful to even say James Hurst 2.0 because he, he's the next yeah. next iteration, right? He's, yeah. he's not even, he's not a 2.0. It might, if anything, it might be uh, – Patrick Patrick McCarry, you know, James Hurst might be Patrick McCarry minus 1.0. Uh, <laughs> because uh, James Hurst is the great value Patrick McCarry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because McCarry has shown, you know, he can he can play center and, and, and give you solid reps there. He can play tackle and give you solid reps there. We know he can play guard. He's done that, either left guard or right guard. So when you have somebody with that kind of ability, um, and, you know, young guy, like you said, two years old, RFA. Yeah, I go ahead and try to get something done there with him if I can, because to Kerry's point, um, he continues to play this way. That price tag is only going to go up. Uh, so 
today's uh, price. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. He already knows. Uh, so yeah, I, I gotta imagine that's something that you know they're they're probably thinking about doing, and I I definitely like to see them do that. Um, sticking with the offensive line. A name people will probably recognize just because he's from Alabama. We know this team's connection with Alabama. And he was a former first round pick. The team signed James Carpenter, um, most recently of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I think they released him back in March, uh, but he had signed with them in 2019. But the reason I say people might remember him is because he was a first round pick back in 2011. I want to say towards the end of the first round. 20s somewhere maybe 25 something like that uh to the seattle seahawks he's got sort of like some of these other guys that they've brought in whether it's Derek wolf or whatever he's got that championship experience he played for the seahawks in both of those super bowls the one against the broncos where they won he played in that game he was their starting left guard and the one against the patriots that they lost he's starting left guard so he's he's got that pedigree that experience um Sort of similar to DJ Fluker, who was with the team last year, where, you know, coming out of Alabama as a tackle, uh, first round pick, got into the league, played a little tackle, but then got converted to guard. Similar to Carpenter. Uh, he was a tackle at um, at Alabama and then kind of got converted to guard in the NFL. And, uh, I think that's primarily where he's played. But, you know, probably another one of those guys where, you know, in a pinch, if you needed him to, uh, could probably give you some snaps at tackle. So, um I don't know if we were talking about it, if it was some other group I was talking about, but just that approach of when it comes to their offensive line depth, they clearly have a type. They clearly <laughs> like that guard slash tackle center slash guard, whatever. They want to slash in there, right? Mm -hmm. And I know there's been this this debate within the fan base with like backup players on the O line, like why don't they just get a pure offensive tackle? You know, guys just purely at offense. I just don't think that's their approach to depth, right? Starters, that's different. Obviously, we saw, we were talking about Ronnie earlier, when they had a really high draft pick that year that he was coming out, uh, they clearly took, you know, who they thought was was the best tackle at that spot, right? And, and Ronnie was a pure offensive tackle. There was, there was no doubt about that. But I think when it comes to their depth, they want guys who can play multiple positions because it, it gives you flexibility on game day. You know, in terms of how many guys you can have active and, and and different things that you have to juggle in terms of your actives and inactives, because it's not just about the offensive line. There are other spots on offense, defense, and special teams where you have to be able to say, okay, well, going into this game, we we need to have coverage at this position, or this guy's out, so we got to move over here, and somebody's got to take his snaps on special teams. There's all these things that you got to manage, and so I think it just gives you some additional flexibility when you know, hey we can bring up eight offensive linemen, right? Our five starters and three backups and our three backups can all play at least two positions. I mean, that's, that's just a tremendous amount of flexibility. And I really like that approach. Uh, I, I, I obviously we're not there. Uh, only one of us here has Eric DeCosta's phone number. It's not <laughs> it's not and so I, I don't know this for sure, but just judging by, you know, the kinds of guys that they've signed for depth, they kind of all have their profile of, of being able to play, um, you know, multiple positions on the whole line. So I'm just reading between the lines a little bit. So I think Carpenter is another one of those guys. Um, I don't know what's going on with the other guy, Knight. Dallas, he they claimed him off waivers. He didn't report. Yeah, he was like, I'm staying home. I'm good. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then I think they put him on on one of those uh, those other lists, like NFI or something like that. Yeah, something yeah, did like not that. report. Yeah, I, I did, who knew there was a did not report list? Uh, but apparently <laughs> there's a list for that kind of thing. And uh, you know, yeah, it, it was uh, Matt Wise who said uh, shades of Paul Warlow. If you remember that situation, remember that the one oh, day yeah. at Raven, right? Yep. Well, was it even one day? I don't know. Uh, I remember that. Um, but Harbs was asked about that today at his presser, and he was like, "Hey, that's that's on him. Basically, that's a personal choice he made. You have to ask him why he didn't." <laughs> that's so. That's so. It's such a weird situation too, because it's like, he, I mean, when you look at the Ravens' tackle situation, you're not far from being called up, you know, and that seems like a, a huge opportunity to to just not show up for i mean i don't know what he has going on in his life you know you never know what's going on in anybody's life but it's it's strange that it seems like a a pretty good situation is is there for you and you just like no nah, i'm not gonna show up it's, it's just strange right. I, hopefully everything's good with him because i think with right. the whole the whole uh warlow sit, uh situation i think something was going on with his wife or something like that and they, they were having some some issues with uh, as far as their, their child so with a situation like that, you understand. So maybe it's you know something deeper than than just football and, and the the opportunity. So hopefully everything is all right with him. Yeah, Brandon Knight. I wanted to get his full name in there just out of respect. Um, most recently with Dallas, and you're right, Chris. I mean, I, and I think um, Harbs has kind of shown that when he uses that language when he talks about guys having personal decisions or personal choices or issues, it usually means there's something going on outside of football and he's not going to speak on it. You know, it's like, Hey, if they want to talk about it, they can talk about it. Other than that, I'm not going to speak on it or speculate on it. So hopefully he is okay. Um, Cause again, it would, he, he, another guy who, who played tackle um, for Dallas most recently. So that would be another nice deaf piece to have, but we'll see. What's going on with him? And then one last guy. I want to mention this guy. I don't. I'll, I'll admit I don't know much about him. He's linebacker, inside linebacker, Joe Thomas. Um, I think he was with the Texans most recently. But the thing that stood out to me was our buddy uh, at Yoshi Twenty Fifty Two shared a story about his dad, Joe Thomas Senior, who became. He either was trying to become, or he actually did do it. I didn't get all the way through the story. It was a pretty long story. The oldest college football player to start a game he was 55 years old and he walked on at south carolina state and was going to workouts going to practices yeah and just wanted to get a carry in a game it didn't it, it could be something simple as that because he, he was running back back in the day he played in in high school and college and um just wanted to get a carry just to say he you know he he did it uh, but really an interesting story, too, just when you read through it. That part of it is interesting enough, but just his background in terms of the things that he kind of went through in that in-between period, right, when he played high school ball, college ball, and then kind of his in-between life. And he had been a wrestler and, you know, had done a bunch of other things just to try to make ends meet, but never gave up on that dream of, um, you know, getting that getting that carry at uh at, in college ball i think he played in high school i think that's what it was he didn't play in college he played in high school but he dreamed of playing in college and so it's crazy man i think he actually did it uh, i didn't finish the story i think he actually did do it though because that was kind of the headline of the story so 
this is kind of a uh, an interesting thing there. Who knows? He, he better happens. he better stay close to the phone because with the way the Ravens running back position looks, they might have to give him a call soon. <laughs> hey, hey, we've already got Junior on the team. <laughs> man, we know your dad is in shape, man. If you look at the pictures of him, that dude was in shape, man. After yeah, years old, yeah, man. rocked up. Shape. So, uh, just a little interesting nugget there. But yeah, we we've seen this and we know this as Ravens fans. Um, the costume, man. When it comes to the roster, that thing is never finished. It's never set. He is continually adding and juggling and manipulating. And we ain't even talking about trade deadline. I mean, that's coming up November 2nd. Who knows what the team might do around there? This is just practice squad and, you know, elevating guys up and bumping guys back down. This is just the normal sort of, you know, week to week process. Uh, and, and he's been manipulating this thing uh, like crazy. So never a dull moment. Uh, when it comes to just watching the roster <laughs> with Eric DaCosta and this team. Did I miss anybody in terms of, like, recent additions? I think those are the most recent. Oh, you know what we didn't do? You know what we didn't do? <laughs> we did not talk about Rashad Bateman. Oh, that's did right. We? Oh, yeah. we did. No, we didn't. So. I think we did. Okay. We're going to say no. No more signings. Uh, <laughs> we're good on that. I think the other, the only other thing we were going to do in that – in that section was talking about the running backs um but we can we can circle back to them but bateman yeah. want to give both of y'all the floor on bateman um because i know carrie talked about bateman during his uh tier videos that he did back at the beginning of the season uh side note for any of those who care uh i believe i am four and one or five and one in our yahoo league and I only drafted players that were in Kerry's team. <laughs> There's a lot of season to go. I know I'm too way too early. There's a whole lot of season to go. I could be sitting here at the end, you know, talking about, well, I was four and one. Uh, right now, things are looking pretty good. And that's all due uh, to my man, Kerry Stevenson. But Kerry, I'll start with you. Uh, what did you think about Rod, uh, Rashad Bateman's debut? Yeah, with Bateman, man, for me, I just thought it was more of a chance, you know, big picture wise for the group just to give um, uh, Keith uh, Williams and um, and uh, T. Martin their flowers. You look at this wide receiver group, man, and the confidence they play with, the the blips on the radar that they just just move past with ease. I mean, I think about the Detroit game. I think Sammy Watkins had one or two drops. Then he makes the big, big catch to set up the game-winning field goal. We know about, um, you know, Hollywood having the issues with the drops in the Detroit game. He comes back with the Davin touchdown catch in Denver. You got Devin Duvernay making big third-down um, catches. You got James Prochet out there playing with force him making plays and, and, you know, as a receiver, you know, all these things happen. And then, uh, you know, to put the icing on the cake, as far as these young receivers go, you have Bateman come out and, you know, extend, extend drives on four different catches and come out there. And he, he's looking like a seasoned vet in his first game action, you know, 45 snaps right away. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to those guys, man, you know, th those coaches, man, 
the the level of confidence that these receivers are playing at and the level of contribution we're getting from these guys, the fourth receiver, the fifth receiver, you know, this is uncommon territory for the Ravens. You know, before, hey, you got Steve Smith out there, you got Anquan Bolden out there, you know, those kind of guys, hey, they go down. I'm not going to put any of these o- older receivers under the bus, so I'm not going to say any of their names, mm-hmm. but those guys aren't making these kind of these level of plays that these young guys are making. Now, obviously, they put more draft capital into this group, so there's something to be said for that. Um, but, you know, Prochet is a, a, a late-round pick um, who's, you know, showing well and showing that he's a guy that's, that's worthy of, um, you know, getting snaps in this league. Uh, and then, you know, Boykin comes back and you saw the key blocks he made um, and some of the things he did on special teams. So, uh, you know, just an entire group of guys, uh, you know, obviously we're excited about Bateman. Uh, you know, to me, he shows uh, shades of when I watch him, he, he kind of looks to me like a, a hybrid between um, Cortland Sutton and, and uh, Keenan Allen. It's, it's kind of like a mixture of their games when I watch him. And I think he can play a multitude of different roles. So, you know, obviously uh, excited about him, but I, I just wanted to give those two coaches their due and to give the whole receiving core their, their due because, you know, these, these guys are, are showing up every week. Man, that, that's 100% right because you, you look at this room and how young they are and the amount of dogs that they have in that room. Because you watch Tylen Wallace on special teams, you know I'm not gonna say anything bad about him. So, <laughs> but you you watch him on special teams, and he's playing like his life depends on it. He's not just out there doing his job and just running fast down the field. He's putting his face in there. He's getting lit up sometimes. And he's getting dirty. So, and and then you see, you know, like you said, Boykin had one of the big time blocks on the the uh, Le'Veon Bell touchdown, and you you know what he's gonna do. He won't get the ball. He won't get a target. You're not going to see him pout. You're not going to see him do anything to to mess up the vibe of the game. He's just going to go out there, do his job, and he's going to block his ass off. Underrated part. under Super underrated part. And I know they're happy to have him back. And then you mentioned Prochet and Duvernay, where they're kind of gaining that trust from Lamar, where he's going to them in big-time third-down moments. And they're showing up. You know, they're, they're, they're producing. And let's not even get started on Duvernay's kick returns because we haven't seen this in since Jacoby where we have a, a competent kick returner who's actually netting positive yards the, the way Duvernay is. Yeah. So just uh, when you see the guy like Bateman who they've never had a, a guy like this who has this type of pedigree and this type of polish coming into their organization and they have a, a, a guy like, uh, Hollywood, who's taking the next step this season, where you see him uh, going to a, another level uh, of of producing, and then you have Sammy Watkins. You know what you have in him. You know the trusty vet who you know he'll he'll be dependable and and get to to his marks where he needs to be. So, like you said, man, this is it's a great first year for for Martin and and Williams because what what they're doing right now we've never seen in Baltimore before. So. Hats off to them, like you said. Yeah, they they do deserve a ton of credit. The guys deserve a ton of credit because obviously they've taken the coaching 
and they've applied it in practice and applied it um, to games. And the thing that seems to consistently stand out, at least to me, I mean, you could you could probably narrow it down and point to individual things, but just across the board with all these guys when they run their routes, it's just separation. They all just create separation. You know, uh, that's something that I know is kind of been a a pet peeve uh, when when you know Ravens fans talk about wide receivers and guys not being able to separate and, and and create space in between them and defenders, but you see that consistently with each of these guys, and we know that um, Keith Williams having worked individually with you know some of the best guys in the league, uh, and for those who remember him, you know, and his YouTube videos out there. That's what he preached, man. It's just the, the the really technical fundamentals of how you run routes and how you create separation and how you catch the ball. And so those guys obviously have all taken uh, everything that he's saying, everything that T. Martin is saying to heart and translating it out on the field. And, you know, the special teams piece you mentioned, you know, that's near and dear to my heart. So seeing Tylen out there, uh, you know, giving it up, seeing, you know, Miles back doing his thing, Duvernay on punt returns. I mean, leading the league in yardage and average and people, you know, when I saw that, I was like, well, okay. Didn't he have like a long one in there? And I looked it up. So yeah, he had a 42 yarder in there, but you take that one. He's got 233 yards. You take that 42 yarder out. That's still 191 yards and, and 13 returns. He had 14 overall. So take that one out 13 returns. He's still averaging 14 yards. A return. <laughs> uh, it's like 10 yards a pop, like every time uh, he he's back there. And, you know, that's a combination of him and his speed, but also the unit and their blocking. You know, um, that, that's a, a, a huge factor. And you see those guys. I can show clips uh, for those who are interested of guys like Tylen Wallace. Um, you know, Miles Boykin just came back, but even before him, Christian Welch. Brandon Stevens, you know, guys out there, uh, Chris Board, Anthony, you know, CoCap, of course, who's been doing it on special teams for a long time, just getting after it, you know, and, and getting in position to to set up some of these returns and give DuVernay an opportunity. And, you know, he's going to break one of these for a touchdown this season. He's been close a number of times already. And one of these things is going to pop. And um, it's not going to be a surprise because they've they've been so close to it and they're, they're, they're playing at such a high level there. So, yeah, man, all of that. Agree with everything that you guys said about the coaching staff, the players at that position. They've been doing it, man. And the Ravens offense, if you had told me with all the injuries that they had with the state of the offensive line, particularly coming out of that first game, okay, we lose Ronnie, um, going to have to shuffle the deck a little bit more. If you had said that they would be seventh in points, <laughs> fourth in yards, and people say, oh, well, that's rushing yards. We know, you know, they put up a bunch of rushing yards. Uh, yeah, they put up a bunch of rushing yards. They're fourth in rushing yards, but they're 11th in passing yards, right? So, I mean, they're doing it on both sides. Uh, you know, well, you know, off of offense, they're doing it on in the passing game and the running game. So I just wouldn't have expected that. Uh, I know with Lamar, you got a chance to be special in every game at any point <laughs> when you've got that guy. But uh, the deck just seemed to be so stacked against them that I, I thought, you know, okay, they're, they're obviously going to compete and play hard. That's what they do. But I did not expect the offense to be as explosive uh, as it's as it's been up to this point. So that's really been fun to watch. Um, let's do the running back thing real quick. 
and then we'll go to the Bengals, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, running back won't take long. Just, I think people saw some of the tweets. Ravens fans saw some of the tweets last week uh, leading up to the Chargers game when they elevated Le'Veon Bell. That this was his last uh, practice squad elevation. You get two call ups, um, two regular call ups. These weren't like COVID call ups or anything like that. Uh, and then the team has to make a decision. Either have to put you on the 53 or they have to release you. So we saw that today, it was either today or yesterday, Le'Veon was was put on the 53. Um, Latavius Murray got dinged up a little bit in that Chargers game and didn't practice today. So we're kind of watching his status. But let's just say, you know, let's stay positive and say that he's he's okay and, and maybe gets a chance to practice at some point this week. Yeah, let's not call him soft. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Le'Veon. You've got Latavius, you've got Devontae Freeman now um, all on the active roster, and you still got Tyson and Nate McCrary, who they brought back uh, from the Broncos, had him in the preseason. Broncos snapped him up, and then the Ravens got him back on the practice squad. So I'll start with you on this one, Chris. Um, what do you see them doing moving forward uh, with this running back rotation? Greg Roman already talked about you know, as much as you like to have all these guys active, you can't practically have four running backs active on game day. Um, so how do you kind of see the thing shaking out as they go forward? Um, I see it as, well, if if uh, let's just say Latavius is out this week, mm-hmm. I think they're going to go with a 1A, 1B of Freeman and, uh, and Le'Veon. Uh, what Freeman has showed the last couple of weeks, especially on on uh, Sunday against the Chargers, he kind of he pushed the clock back on himself a little bit because there were some runs there where there wasn't much, and he was able to squeak out these little tight spaces and able to pop off for a six seven yard gain. So that's something that we haven't seen before yet this year from any running back really, other than the first week with uh, Tyson Williams, but the Ravens broke him. So we won't be seeing that anymore. Uh, that, but that's a whole different story. Uh, I think, <laughs> I, I think there, I think he might be up this week if, if Latavius can't go, but um, you never know. Maybe they'll want to see, see a little something from, uh, from McCary. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. We saw flashes of uh, 2015, 2016 Atlanta Falcons, Devonta Freeman. Uh, you know, fantasy players will remember <laughs> some of those seasons. And uh, you were right, Chris. Like, just as I charted the run game, um, I just finished it today. And I was like, man, this dude got through some tight creases. And just the vision, the patience to allow those creases, as small as they were, but still the patience to allow the blocks to form to set up those creases. Like, hey, I can get through that. Right? Mm-hmm. I see it. I know I can get through that. And he still, you can see, he still has the short area of quickness and the burst. You see some of the jump cuts. You see the little burst through the hole. The long speed, you know, that that probably was always the thing, right, with him. It's like he he didn't have, you know, the long speed of, of some, other, some other guys who you know are like home run hitters. But you knew that in that 10 to 20, 25-yard box, um, he can work. 
You know, he can he can he can get it in. And we saw a little bit of that uh, in this game. And we know Le'Veon can still do that. I, it's been weird watching Le'Veon when he's in because he hasn't gotten as many as he hasn't gotten as many carries as the other guys. And, and, you know, they talked about when he first came in about him having to work his way into shape and, you know, learn learn the offense. Maybe some of that is still happening. But when he gets his opportunities, you can see it. You can see he still got you know, the stuff that he's always had. Again, it's not going to be what it was because these guys are, are older, so it's not going to be their prime. But the vision, the patience, the ability to set up blocks, you know, balance, run through contact, they all still have that. Uh, he still has that. And I think it's just going to be a matter of as he gradually gets more opportunities, uh, you're going to see more and more of those kind of runs from him as well as Devontae Freeman. So, uh, Kerry, let me hit you on that real quick. How do you think – uh, this running back rotation is going to shake out moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the first kind of just glaring thing is that if Lamar Jackson is your quarterback, your running game is going to be pretty, pretty at least at uh, you know a kind of a floor um, there as far as their effectiveness. I mean, I think I could maybe get a yard on one play. You know, at some point, you know, I'm I'm going to do a lot of sliding and running out of bounds. I'm not taking no hit for nobody. So, <laughs> you know, that's out of the question. Uh, but if you watch that um, Devontae Freeman uh, touchdown run, they were so scared of Lamar that, you know, it just parted like the open sea for him to, to run that in. So, you know, I think that's – that's what makes me think that this team probably won't like try to trade for a back uh, just because Lamar being the centerpiece of it kind of gives you a floor to start with. And then, like you said, with these two backs that they have, say uh, Latavius is out. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I want to see what uh, Le'Veon has, in, you know, with the 15 carry game, you know, something they kind of give him some rhythm, you know, allow him the chance to kind of get into the rhythm of the game. I'm curious to see what that will look like. Um, but Devontae Freeman just feels like more of a fit as a run finisher inside. Um, you know, Le'Veon definitely has, you know, a little bit more juice. Uh, he moves better laterally of the three veteran backs. Um, so there's intrigue there because of that. But then Freeman, I think, him and, and Latavius are run finishers. I think they, they finish runs in a way that I think um, is going to jab better with his offense and what kind of Roman wants. Um, but an interesting part of it, man, is quietly all three of these veteran backs can play in a passing game. You know, whether it's pass protection or catching out of the backfield, all three of these guys can play. So it's not – a situation where you're giving yourself a tell depending on who's in the game as to whether it's going to be run or pass. You know, that's a, that's a sneaky element of this is, you know, they can pretty much run anything with any of these backs because they all are veteran guys that can pass protect. So um, hopefully uh, Latavius is okay. And we're not looking at, you know, a huge extended absence. Uh, but if we are, I think it will be a, you know, maybe a good opportunity to get, one or the other, whether it be Devontae or Le'Veon, uh, you know, maybe lean on one or the other just to kind of get a feel for who has what and try to see what these guys can do uh, with a little bit more rhythm. 
you're not lying about that passing game experience because um, people probably remember that about Le'Veon. People probably could probably know kind of to a lesser extent um, Latavius Murray, even though, you know, obviously he played down there with the Saints and Drew Brees. And if you're going to play uh, in that offense, you got to protect Brees. So he certainly understands protection. Uh, but, you know, Ravens fans know Le'Veon, and we know he was basically a slot receiver uh, when he was in his pride. Right. I mean, he had a couple of 80 catch seasons, but I didn't realize Devontae Freeman had a 70 catch season one year uh, down there in Atlanta. So he, he was putting up some numbers in the passing game. I don't think, I, and I'm not bringing that up to say that we're going to see those kinds of production numbers um, from those guys at this offense. Cause I don't think the offense is at that point yet. I mean, I think we've seen already that Lamar has been a little quicker to get to his check down um, this year. And so, you know, I think you're going to see the backs uh, utilized a little bit more in the passing game that we've seen the first, you know, one he's had what two full seasons and, and and an eight game season back in 2018 of Lamar's career. So we're gonna see a little bit more, but yeah, you're not you're not gonna see these guys catch eight, you know 70, 80 balls. It's it's just not the way this offense is constructed. But they do have that protection experience, which is so key. Uh, that's that's just you got to have it um, in in the NFL passing game because your running backs are gonna be on the field. They're gonna be involved in the protection, and you'll get your quarterback hurt. If those guys don't understand, you know, um, the scheme and their assignments and and execute those things. Unfortunately, they've got three guys who've all done that, you know, who all have a, a wealth of experience in doing that. So in, in the ways that I miss J.K. and Gus, I'm not saying that this replaces that at all, because I would take those guys today. Right now, if somebody <laughs> snap your fingers and we can bring those guys back healthy today, right this minute, I'll take them right now. Uh, but there, there may be a little bit of a, of a bump in pass pro, just not necessarily because of ability, but just because, you know, J.K. is a younger guy. Uh, he'd be going into his second year, so still kind of learning pass pro. Gus had gotten better in pass pro each year and also was, was being used in the passing game. And he's making plays down the field. I mean, they're throwing him like seam balls down the middle of the field. <laughs> so Gus, Gus was already, you know, uh, kind of, you know, expanded his role in the passing game. But these three veteran guys, you know, they, they've just got that track record and that experience. So I feel comfortable with that. All right. Bengals game. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Um, like I said before, first division game of the season. A little bit different having it this kind of deep into the season. We're going into week seven and they haven't played a division game yet. So it's a little bit different. But. Um, these Bengals, they might not be your father's Bengals, your grandfather's Bengals. I don't know. I mean, I think we we started to see a little bit of that turn last year, you know, drafting a Joe Burrow, and then, you know, Burrow got hurt. And, look, once that happens and you're, you're running out the Brandon Allen types, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but uh, Joe comes back this year. They add Jamar Chase. Uh, still got Tyler Boyd working out of the slot over there. You still got T Higgins outside, uh, Joe Mixon doing his thing. Um, Carrie, you know, this better than me, but consistently this has been, you know, in terms of usage, you know, one of the top backs in fantasy, you know, that the production doesn't always work out in each game, but in terms of usage, he's always up there near the top. And so, uh, big question I think on their offense is their line, you know, the offensive line, shaky in some spots but in terms of skill positions and we've all been watching jamar chase i mean it's 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 been impressive and then their defense i think that's really the kind of story to me 
even more than the offense is how well their defense has been playing. If you look at their defensive statistics, they're basically top five, top ten in everything. Pass, run, points allowed. Um, I think turnovers are closer to the middle of the pack, so not super high up in turnovers. But uh, Logan Wilson, leading second in the league at INTs. He's behind uh, – Trayvon Diggs, you know, Diggs is going crazy. He's got seven in six games. Logan Wilson, an inside linebacker, he got four, four picks. So uh, they've added some guys, Trey Hendrickson, you know, to beef up that pass rush. Uh, obviously, I talked about Logan Wilson. I was a big fan of him coming out of Wyoming. Jesse Bates, my man back there at center, uh, at free safety, still playing well. Von Bell has been playing well this year. Uh, they brought over a Wouzier at corner from the Cowboys. He's been playing well. Mike Hilton. Uh, from the Steelers, who we know, you know, in terms of, of a blitz coming off that slot, uh, <laughs> you know, he can definitely give you that element. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting when you look at, you know, how these teams are playing and and, and coming coming together in this game. So I, I'll start with you, Kerry. What do you think about this matchup and, and, you know, kind of what are your keys? What are you looking at going into it? Yeah, this is going to be a tough game, man. I think it's going to be a hard fart game. You mentioned a lot of the guys they have on defense that are playing well, um, right up the middle, getting uh, DJ Reader back healthy this year in that interior, and then adding uh, Larry Ogunjobi uh, from the uh, Browns uh, to kind of book him, booking him in that tackle spot uh, is big. So you know they're they're playing, um, you know, well right up the middle, uh, offensively. They're running the ball. They, you know, they're lining it up and they're running it against teams. You know, they, they're not playing at the fast pace they did last year and they're not throwing the ball all over the place like they did last year. They're lining it up and they're running it at you and they're having success with it. And for me, Joe Mixon is one of the just the best pure talents at the running back position in all of football. So, you know, this is going to be a game where – uh, Ravens are going to have to be sound um, uh, tackling. They're going to have to be sound setting the edge and those things. Um, you mentioned Logan Wilson. He's looking smooth and fluid out there in coverage. You know, Lamar is going to have to be careful about making mistakes over the middle of the field uh, in his area um, because of that. And then Jamar Chase, you know, it, I guess he figured out how to catch an NFL football. You know, that was <laughs> – you know, they, they said that was an issue coming in, but, you know, Chase is one of those guys. I always tell people if he was two inches taller, we would have been talking about him in the draft process like we talked about Calvin Johnson before and, um, you know, A.J. Green before and those guys. He's that level of a talent. And, you know, he that, that's scary, man. That That's something they're going to have to account for. And then you got T. Higgins on the other side of him, who we know what he's capable of doing at the catch point. So, uh, you know, they got their their work cut out for them in this game, man. I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, how this plays out. And for people who maybe just kind of been seeing highlights or or maybe you know tap into it from the fantasy perspective, you got to really look carefully at what Chase is doing to realize just, you know, how special this is. I mean, they play six games. He's got almost 600 receiving yards. He's got 553 <laughs> receiving yards in six games. And he's only got 27 catches. So, I mean, he is being targeted down the field. I mean, he's averaging 
over 20 yards a catch. So, I mean, this this man is is doing work down the field. Uh, there's a name that comes to mind as a rookie season and having a lot of down the play uh, down the field plays. I will not mention that name because that is blasphemy. Put anybody else in that company, but. Jamar, man, as I think about it, I think about another guy who they called the freak uh, who could make some plays. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jamar is, is is making making plays down the field in that same vein. Uh, Chris, what do you think about, man? I know people, somebody told me the other day, I'm, I'm, I'm hyping this, this Bengals defense up like they're the 85 Bears. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts about this? Uh, no, I think, I think they have a, a good defense and uh, – you know, like Kerry said, you know, they got DJ Reader, they got Larry Ogunjobi, who to me, for my money, he's been one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league for a while now. Yeah. Uh he he was a terror for the for the Browns. And yeah. And of course, you know, he had to just go from the Browns right to another division rival. So but we're gonna be seeing him two two times a year. So um, you know, they have some some really good pieces and guys that we've talked about in the past with our draft shows with Logan Wilson. I know he's a guy that we've gone over. Akeem Davis uh, Gaither is another guy that we've talked about. Uh, Jermaine Pratt, uh, I think he went to NC State. He was a guy that I, I really like coming out. And uh, all of those guys, you know, they they contribute a lot to this defense. You know, they're, they're the middle of, of the defense. So. I would I would believe that the Ravens would want to attack their cornerback group. Uh, I I feel like that is the weak the weak spot of their group. Um, attacking those CBs would probably be in their best interest, in my opinion, because running up at this defense, it's I don't think they'll be able to do that because they have some stout guys on on their defensive line. I mentioned Reader, I mentioned Oak and Joby. But Sam Hubbard, he's he's no slouch. He's not a guy that you could just push around. Trey Hendrickson, he was doing his thing down in New Orleans, and, and he's a guy that's going to play with his hair on fire too. So um, I, I definitely believe the secondary is where you want to attack. Um, as far as the offense, we all know the place, uh, their weak spot is going to be the offensive line. Uh, even with that being said, shoot, they've – as far as you know, we all know about Chase, we know about T. Higgins, and you know, we know the history that Tyler Boyd has killing the Ravens. But they've been getting uh CJ Uzoma involved a lot too, and we know that the Ravens have not had a good time with tight ends. So, I, I think that's somebody that they really, really need to hone in on. I mean, obviously, you got to you know deal with Jamar Chase, but if you let CJ Uzoma get go wild on you, like he did uh, against the Jaguars. He's shown that all right, you can't cover me. I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna hurt you if you can't cover our tight end. And uh I, I think they, they should not sleep on him or or just feel like you know they could just put oh oh anybody on him. No, it's gonna be all hands on deck situation as these division games are, right? Um it's it's gonna be you know scrapping, clawing, tooth and nail, and it usually is if the game is close, you know, in terms of, of score, it usually is that player who you don't expect, right? Somebody steps forward or a, a player or two steps forward who makes a key play or two. And it's somebody who maybe wasn't a household name or not the first name that comes to your mind, but some somehow, some way in these division games, you know, the, those guys find a way to kind of tip the, tip the scale when the game is close. Um, so, look, I'm, I'm hoping it goes the way – that the Chargers game 
went. You know, I, I'm just <laughs> going into that game thinking, okay, that's going to be a tough game. Both teams four and one. Um, you know, division games, you kind of think the same thing. It's going to be a tough game, regardless of record. I would love to see it uh, go the way <laughs> that game went, but I just expect this to to be a competitive, hard fought game. This Bengals team, man, they're they're trying to measure themselves. You know, yeah. um, I think they're four and two. That's what they are coming. Yeah, against. four and two. Four and two. I, I I wanted to know. Do you guys think that they might that they the Ravens may have uh, Marlowe Shadow Chase uh, Chase uh, Jamar Chase Jamar Chase. You know, it's interesting. Um, Wink has not shown a real propensity to do that, like with regularity. I should well, not that's not the way I want to describe it. He's not shown a propensity to do it throughout game. I'm not saying he's never done it before throughout a game, but it seems like he is more willing to do it situationally. So like high, those high leverage situations, third downs in the red zone, then he'll, he, he's shown that, you know, he's kind of more willing to have Marlon um, shadow, whoever he thinks their best guy is. You know, we, we've seen that they did some of that in the Raiders game. Um, they even had Marlon on Waller on a couple of snaps on third downs and stuff. So I think he'll do it. He he just he tend he seems like he tends to prefer just to let his guy play sides. You know, Averett's got a side, or before that it was Peters and, and Humphrey, but now Averett and Humphrey have sides. But in certain situations where he's like, yeah, we we gotta make sure this guy doesn't beat us in this situation, he's shown that he's willing um to do it. But you never know. He's also had games where he said, look, you're on this dude all game, Marlon. <laughs> wherever he goes you go uh so i could see it you know i think a I, we didn't talk about him a whole lot when we were talking about the charges but i thought Averett had kind of a, a bounce back game you know um he had maybe a catch or two uh that he gave up but he also made some plays on some some balls down the field where he kind of tightened his coverage down a little bit and, and it you know, showed up in the run game too Oh yeah. He's a good tackler. I don't, I don't know that a lot of people think about that because you typically don't think about corners being good tacklers in general, but he, I think is one of the, you know, obviously Marlon gets top billing as a, as a tackling cornerback. We all know how he is in that phase of the game, but I don't think people think about it with Avery, with Avery as much because he's a cut tackler. Like Marlon likes to front guys up and wrap guys up. Uh, Avery likes to go for that hip. And drive mm-hmm. through the hip and say he's he's a cut tagger, which is fine. I mean, if you can get people on the ground that way, that's yeah. fine. Um, but I think he's actually, you know, low key a pretty a pretty good tackler at corner, which is not a surprise. A lot of you know Alabama quarterbacks, you know, they're they're you're gonna have to show up in the run game down there. It ain't just about covering people, um, so they know that. But if that'll be interesting to see what they do with those matchups, because. Let's just say you did that. I'll throw it back at you and just just play it out. Let's say they did that. Now that means that you could do, um, you know, you probably feel pretty good with Tavon on Tyler Boyd in the slot, and then with T, you know, you're probably thinking maybe a little bit more Jimmy, a mix between Jimmy and Avery, mm-hmm. because of how big a body T is. Yeah, uh, not that Avery's a small guy. I think he's over six foot, but. Um, you know, T is what six five. <laughs> He's a big dude, uh, and so you know, maybe you can kind of mix those guys that way. So you can do some different things, or like I said, you can just play sides, and uh, you know, just kind of see how it goes. And then on those situations, those third downs, red zone. If you say, hey, you know, we're gonna, you're probably gonna bracket Chase for real in some of those situations. You're gonna bracket Boyd. They've shown that in the past that they'll bracket Boyd 
with uh, a nickel and a, a safety or a linebacker and a nickel in the middle of the field because they know he was the guy, right? When Chase wasn't there and and Higgins, you know, was kind of still you know developing, you knew where the ball was going on third down. They were, if it was a passing down. And, and, and now, now the Ravens have their wild card with, with uh, Tavon because he's missed a lot of these games. Yeah, yeah. Before this last year, it was, it was Marlon mm-hmm. having to go in there and chase Tyler Boyd around in the slide, and that's a battle because uh, because both of those guys like to get after it. Um, so that part is going to be really interesting to see how those matchups in the passing game go. But, uh, you know, Kerry made a good point about Joe Mixon too. I mean, it's to me – uh, you know, I'm just old school and how I think about that. It always starts with stopping the run for me on defense. And so, you know, you can you can think about those passing game matchups, but if you if you lose focus and think, oh, we just got to worry about that and 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 don't come correct to deal with Joe Mixon, they can put some yards up on you <laughs> in the run game. And they just watched this Chargers team get overwhelmed with with Wink and his blitz packages. And they know what their they know what their weakness is on their team as their offensive line. They do not want to get into that kind of game. You know, they they're gonna run the football. Best believe they're gonna come out and try to establish that run. So, you know, Ravens have to be sound and you know, that's gotta be job number one is to to keep that running game in check. Yeah. Another name, you talked about those names that you might not necessarily think about. I'm just throwing this one out there because I, when I watched the Detroit game, he kind of jumped out to me in terms of making some 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 low key plays. Their um, their second running back, Chris Evans, a little bit more of a passing, you know, specialist kind of back. I mean, they, they gave him a couple carries, but man, you can throw him the ball in space. He'll make some guys miss. Yeah. <laughs> He'll do some things uh, after the catch a little bit. I was impressed with that dude. I remember I, I, I rocked him a couple times and uh, in uh, preseason DFS, uh, <laughs> and because uh, I think I don't remember if he, he played wide receiver in college or, or split between wide receiver and running back. I kind of forget what his background is, but he's very comfortable catching the ball and can do some things with it. Um, you know, after the catch, so just another one of those guys where you you might see this guy come in. I think he's number twenty five. You might you know come in on a third down or give give Mixon a blow and. He makes a catch and you know gains some yardage. You're like, who is this dude? Just just keep that name in mind, Chris Evans. Somebody to watch a little bit. Um, that's all I got on the Bengals. You either one of you guys want to want to hit on anything else on this game? No, I'm good. I'm, no, good. I'm, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to watch it. I'm ready to get this first division game <laughs> in the books already because I, I know they they must be chomping at the bit to you know really get into this AFC North schedule because. You know, we, we're used to seeing the Bengals first game, the Browns on Thursday night, week two. That's usually how it's been for these this last decade. And, you know, it's, it's week seven. So, you know, they, they're ready to get to the AFC football and play these big boy games now. How sweet would it be to get this win, because it's a division win, and to go into your bye, you know, you roll up in there, what, six and one? I mean, that would be. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty sweet, but you know that's cart before the horse. They ain't even played the game yet. We got to see how that goes. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the Browns. I almost slipped and said my Browns. We mentioned the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> mentioned the Browns. Uh, I won't get into that right now. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Man, the injury bug. I mean, look, Ravens fans don't want to hear it. I got it. I'm a Ravens fan. I don't want to hear it. Uh, 
the, the injury bug is it's, it's showing up over there in Cleveland a little bit right now, too. Chubb out again. I think Kareem Hunt's going to be out. They're going to shut Baker down uh, at least for a game. Uh, JOK is out. This is a bunch, <laughs> a bunch of dudes kind of kind of falling off the wayside. Now, Ravens fans love it. I know. I know. As Ravens fans, we love it. And uh, we would love to see them hit a little losing streak over there. And I do. I do. I do want to see them lose when they play the Ravens. But I'm not going to lie. You know, when they're not playing the Ravens, I don't mind if they play well. <laughs> I'm not going to hide that. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. Anyway, hey, let me stop that. For the, the, the views of Michael Crawford are not the views of the Deep Cover podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, let me stop that right now before people stop, you know, they stop subscribing and they start complaining. And <laughs> Hey, I'm sorry. Just act like, just you know what? I might even just edit that out. Y'all might not even. <laughs> but look, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. As usual, uh, don't forget to subscribe on the YouTube channel, Deep Cover YouTube channel. Um, you know, like, give us your comments, your feedback. Obviously, you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Cover Pod. Uh, we also have the audio pod. Uh, it's, it's just the audio version of this video show that will also be coming out. You can find us on, you know, any of your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, what have you, you know, we're out there on, on all of those. So you can get this in any way that you want it. Uh, and, and we're going to, you know, get back on, on track here and uh, try to keep turning these out for you guys. And as always, you know, we appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you for rocking with us, tapping in. And y'all be good. Get upstairs and take out that garbage.